Okay, Reverend Bailey, if you'll come and share what the Lord's put upon your heart. All right, so good to be here, coming through the palm trees, and it reminds me you had your vacation Bible school, and I, uh, I'm blessed to, to see churches still doing that because uh, that ties in with my message tonight, actually, about uh, that uh, so much needs to be taught from the Bible that's neglected these days. And I don't know, can I get a couple of the boys here to help out uh, pass out our notes for tonight? All right, guys, good to see you. Thanks for your help. Give half of those to your brother there, if you would. And we're going to talk about Christian education tonight. And if you have your Bible, if you'll turn to Romans chapter 1 for the verses that we'll read as our text. Sounds like quite an adventurous trip the pastor's uh, going on, doesn't it? Uh, all the way out to the West Coast, and his dad is no youngster. <laughs> so we'll uh, trust that uh, God will be with them as they travel. And how many have been to Yellowstone National Park? Okay. A, a number? And I was there when I was a teenager, but I haven't been back, and my wife's never been there. And that's one of the bucket list things, I think, to, uh, to get to if the Lord tarries. But... Uh, it's good to live here in Mifflinburg, and I uh, get around to cities with my radio program. And tonight as you leave, on the, there's a small table on the back. I have some sample CDs of my radio program, of some of the recent interviews with uh, the name of the program, the Lion's Den University Report. I'm Glenn Bailey, for those who don't know, uh, haven't met me before or heard me before. And I'm a retired Christian Missionary Alliance minister here in Mifflinburg. I'm uh, continue to live here and uh, thank you buddy and uh, I one of the things I'm doing in in my retirement is uh, this radio program the Lions Den University Report I travel to university campuses around the country and interview dedicated followers of Christ who are living out their faith in a sometimes hostile setting and that's why it's called the Lions Den University Report and there are some samples of the CDs back there with the different colored uh, sleeves that they're uh, found in, and I hope you still have a CD player. You know, as you get older, you find out the technology just leaves you behind, uh, it seems like, every year, and uh, something new comes along, and uh, you, at some point you decide, oh, I give up. <laughs> but uh, uh, still most cars, I think, uh, new cars still have CD players, so we're, we're still making the CDs, and, and uh, we do that. Uh, uh, you can, uh, as you, if you travel someplace, you can pop it in the CD player, and, and listen to uh, uh, believers at different campuses as they share their faith. We interview professors and administrators and graduate and undergraduate students, uh, coaches and, and uh, athletes, internationals, uh, campus speakers. Uh, we interviewed, we're hoping to do an interview again. Uh, I don't know if uh, you're aware of Robbie Zacharias coming to Penn State in October. And I think, Neil, you have any tickets to sell tonight or? You get them on the internet, I guess. So, at the, okay, at uh, down at State College there, but uh, they're using the Bryce Jordan Center, which holds, I think, uh, five to eight thousand people, and so it'll be a major event, and I'm sure uh, he will fill it as uh, uh, he's quite a uh, educated and uh, a spokesman for the gospel and apologetics, <clears throat> spoken to uh, thousands of people, millions of people, probably around the world through his radio program his writing and speaking, but uh, had the opportunity to have him on my program here a couple of years ago, and I'm, I'm hoping I get in and do an interview with him while he's here in this area again uh, in October. Uh, that might be something you want to put on your calendar. October 5th is a Friday night, and uh, the Bryce Jordan Center is the big indoor arena at Penn State is where it's being held, and uh, so we'll look forward to that. <clears throat> But uh, anyway, and there's a sign-up sheet in the back if you'd like to receive information. Uh, we put out a quarterly newsletter giving a report of what's going on on some of the campuses and uh, uh, some of our inter from some of our interviews as well as some of our visits. Uh, go to the campuses themselves to do the interviews. And uh, we also include, uh, for those who are interested, a, a quarterly CD of the program uh, that uh, you can listen to and share with others. Tonight, we want to... Uh, talk about Christian education. Actually, most of our universities were started 
to promote uh, the Christian faith and train Christian leaders. And uh, we want to uh, see how that has uh, disappeared uh, mostly from the secular uh, schools today. Let's bow for a word of prayer and ask the Lord to guide us and then read our portion of scripture. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening, for the beauty of the day, and for the fact that you're on the throne. Though the world has many problems and concerns, uh, we know that Christ is still the answer, and we pray uh, that the gospel will continue to move forward, and the kingdom will be built until he returns, until Jesus returns and uh, establishes his kingdom of righteousness and justice. And we look forward to that day, but help us to be a part of uh, spreading the good news until he comes. We pray that you'll guide us in this time as we look to your word that it might encourage us and challenge our hearts and remind us of the blessings that we have as believers in you tonight. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and ask that you'll speak in our hearts by your spirit and then empower us by your spirit to be the light for Christ and the salt in the world today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 16. <clears throat> I'm reading from the New King James Version. <clears throat> and uh, we'll read 16 to 23. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And I think uh, that last verse is uh, uh, very much a description of the days we live in. Uh, we have great uh, uh, increase in knowledge and technology, and yet we have a decrease, it seems, in the knowledge of God. And so professing to be wise, uh, to be able to handle our lives without God, uh, foolishness comes in and takes its place. And we see many examples of this. I saw one uh, somewhat amusing sign on the uh, Cornell University campus a few weeks ago when I was visiting up there. And uh, anybody, you know, if your parents tell you to mow the lawn, guys, sometime, and, and uh, kids, uh, and you want to have an excuse not to mow your lawn, Cornell University gave you one. Uh, there's a... Uh, uh, section of campus uh, and they had a strip that was mowed around this uh, big grassy area and then the rest of it was not mowed and on the edge of the uh, unmowed grass it had a sign it said uh, big grass small gas and how this showed how uh, natural landscaping saves the environment by not uh, uh, polluting through lawnmowers, okay? <laughs> that uh, by allowing your grass to grow and not mow it, uh, they were saying you're uh, not sending CO2 into the environment. And they said if you keep doing, uh, following that kind of landscaping, uh, that uh, by the year uh, 2035, that we'll have carbon neutrality, <laughs> okay? So, so anybody who's looking for an excuse not to mow your lawn, just say I'm an environmentalist, <laughs> okay? And uh, my son said he thinks he's in a neighborhood where he thinks they have regulations like we have here, that you better mow your lawn or they're going to come after you. But he said he thinks somebody in his neighborhood got an exception because they don't, uh, they don't seem to mow their lawn these days. But uh, in any case, uh, to me, and, well, and, and just to show how hypocritical that is and how it is the foolishness of the world that, uh, first of all, uh, you know, not everybody agrees that there is climate change or that man is causing it. Those are still debatable issues. But the fact that whatever we do really isn't going to make a dent in it anyway, uh, that all these efforts and all these billions of dollars are being spent and nothing is happening, uh, you know, they hope if they, we follow all these rules that by 
uh, 20 years will reduce the temperature by one degree, okay? Uh, so it's really kind of foolish. But to show how foolish the people at Cornell are, they put this uh, one area of lawn that they didn't mow, but the rest of the 95% of the campus has beautiful lawns that are all mowed constantly and meticulously. And so they really don't wor they're really not worried about this uh, climate change stuff that they, uh, that they push all the time, or they wouldn't mow any of their lawns. But they just it had this one section to show us what it could be like if... Uh, if we were really serious about uh, thinking that there's a disaster ahead. Uh, and uh, they really know it's not. Uh, but uh, just to, uh, to be a part of the fad, you might say, uh, they have these kind of things. And, and uh, I could go on with illustrations, but it goes to the point that when God isn't the one guiding us, we, be, we can become very foolish in how we address the questions and issues of life. May and June, the last uh, two months, have been months that... Uh, School ended, and uh, we had lots of graduations, didn't we? That uh, some graduated from college, some from high school, uh, some from elementary school, and uh, I don't know if they are still doing it. Uh, they were, for a while, having graduations from kindergarten, and uh, almost every level you could get a graduation. And are you kids uh, glad that school's out? How many are glad that school's out? You're not glad, boy, unusual kids, but uh, I'm sure you are. And But you're, are you homeschooled still? There are teachers right there. Okay, yeah, you better say you're, <laughs> she's glad it's out. Okay, all right, well, more power to you. And, and you fit into the emphasis of the message tonight uh, about the need for Christian education. And so we do congratulate all those who complete uh, levels of education. You know how hard it is at each level to, you know, pass the tests and do the reports and all that's involved. And so when you get a, a diploma, you're, you're happy at that occasion. And there are many good things that can be learned. We know a young man who just uh, got out of a tech school and learned how to weld, and he's started his job, and how he's feeling so good about himself and enjoying. Uh, he's been a, a welder now for a month. And... Uh, uh, a good education teaches valuable things like that, but that's not uh, uh, all or even the focus of what much education is today. And as we think of education, the Bible is a book given to us to educate us uh, in the, uh, about God and his plans for our lives as individuals and also his plan for history. And that's uh, where we find uh, that information is in God's word. But unfortunately, uh, most educational institutions miss the very fundamental principles of life that the Bible teaches. Uh, they either ignore them or they attack them from uh, early on these days. Uh, these influences have come in that go against the teachings of God in the scriptures. And our country has basically adopted the idea uh, that Christian education should be left to the churches and to the home. And uh, certainly uh, that's where it ought to start. Uh, Christian education ought to start in the home that... Uh, you know, if a parent uh, wants to uh, see their children go in the right direction, you train up a child in the way they should go, and the, the primary responsibility is with the parents. Uh, but uh, uh, the uh, churches as well, uh, I think that's why it's so good that we have vacation Bible schools. It gives another opportunity to learn about God's word and his truths. And then, uh, but the schools, the schools used to uh, reinforce that. Uh, for the first hundred years of public education in America, they had this little book called the New England Primer. And you may have uh, heard of that before. And in the New England Primer, uh, they used the Bible to teach education of how to read and, and the alphabet. Uh, they had the, uh, all the letters of the alphabet and like A was for Adam and uh, so on. They, they used Bible verses uh, to teach uh, young people. And so they realized that uh, part of an education is to learn about God and the truths of the Bible. And now we think that, well, that's not allowable. You know, that's not permissible because we want to be uh, multicultural and we want to be tolerant. And, we, uh, and we're going to just, uh, matter of fact, we're going to attack anybody who wants to promote the things that made our country great, okay, which is the Christian principles. And the New England primer never harmed anybody <laughs> that they learned about the Bible in their early days. It helped them, and, uh, but we want to uh, suppress that in our time. And so as parents uh, this evening and grandparents and great-grandparents, some of us, uh, that uh, uh, we need to realize that our young people 
what they are getting and what they aren't getting in school, in their education. <clears throat> and we need to uh, uh, seriously think about that and seriously do what we can uh, to make up the difference. And I think uh, that uh, if you have family members or even nephews and nieces or others uh, that are going through school, you need to be aware of what they are getting and what they aren't getting uh, so that you can make up the difference when it comes to what, uh, the, what God wants them to know and how their lives can be blessed. And so uh, we should try to make sure that uh, they learn the, thing, the truths of the Bible while the opportunity is there. Now, you can't force even your children to believe what you believe, can you? Uh, you but you can tell them, and you can uh, give them the information to answer their questions, and you can provide them with the opportunity for them to make the decision. The Bible talks about uh, uh, children of God, but it never says anybody is a grandchild of God, do, does it? It says uh, you shall become the, called the children of God because you believe in Jesus as your Savior. When you're born again, you're born into the family of God as a child of God. But it never said there was grandchildren. In other words, uh, you can never be getting a relationship with God because your parents have it or your grandparents have it or somebody else has it. doesn't mean that you're a child of God. Each of us have to make that decision themselves. If you're relying on your parents' faith to get you to heaven, uh, you won't be there. Uh, each of us has to make that commitment to Christ personally, don't we? Uh, we can't uh, uh, make it for our children even. Even though we love them and we pray for them, uh, that they still have to make that choice, and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren as well. And so, uh, but they need to be exposed. You can't, uh, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God, okay? Romans 10, uh, 17, I think. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And if they're not hearing the word of God in school at any time, uh, somebody has to expose them to it. And it should be in the home, and it should be, though, if the parents, uh, you know, have drifted away and they're not taking them to church and so on, uh, uh, then they need to do it uh, for the grandchildren as well and the great-grandchildren. And we need to think of creative ways that we can supply them with books and uh, DVDs and uh, Christian music and all sorts of ways to give them the opportunity to know the Christ who we know as Savior and who will bless their lives and who they need to know if they're to spend eternity in heaven. And our heart goes out to our children and grandchildren, but we do have a place in their lives. And we can make a difference if we think strategically of how to get that information to them. Not that we can make them uh, decide to follow Christ, but we can offer it to them and let them decide, choose this day whom you will serve. And when they choose Christ, they'll be blessed, won't they? anyone who chooses Christ. And so this passage uh, starts out and says, we don't need to be ashamed of being Christians. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Uh, sometimes we don't tell our, even our children or our family members. We don't bring up the subject of religion because that's a sensitive subject. Uh, and uh, uh, yet uh, we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ because everybody needs it. It's the power of God for everyone. Uh, this uh, past week, uh, how many recognize the name Charles Krauthammer? Not everybody. He was a conservative commentator on the television, and uh, he uh, actually had an injury like uh, Johnny Erickson Tata, a uh, diving injury accident that left him in a wheelchair, paralyzed for most of his life. And but he became very, very successful in, uh, the, in as a commentator, and he had a, a conversion, but not the right kind of conversion. He had a good conversion that he went from liberalism to conservatism in his politics uh, but uh, uh, he was from a Jewish background and he said he would attend the Jewish services uh, the, just on the special holidays and just occasionally uh, but he really didn't have a clear idea about God. He said he, he thought atheism was dark and, uh, and purposeless uh, and so he rejected atheism but he didn't have a relationship with God and interestingly enough one of the other uh, commentators, Britt Hume, uh, on uh, Fox News. Uh, uh, someone was telling me that Britt Hume uh, tried to witness to Krauthammer on a number of occasions and tried to share the gospel with him, and apparently uh, 
you know, until perhaps later. Anyone can make that decision even on their deathbed. Uh, but there was no evidence that he came to believe in Christ as his savior. And yet he was thought of as a great intellectual. And he's talked about uh, as he passed away. Uh, there are glowing uh, reports about how even, even his colleagues felt intimidated by how intellectually uh, he was uh, uh, so uh, such an intellectual that uh, they were even intimidated to talk to him at times because they knew his arguments were irrefutable and that he had such a, a clear handle on logic. Uh, but uh, sadly, uh, he missed the most important thing, and that's the relationship with Christ. And uh, we don't know that he committed his life to Christ, and uh, this is of even much more importance than anything else that a person could accomplish. Even the things that he overcame, uh, what, uh, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? and loses his soul. And so that's the significance that we need to realize that the things of the spirit are, are extremely important and everyone needs them. The most intellectual person and the youngest children need to hear that Jesus loves them, died for their sins and rose again and offers a place in heaven. And uh, everyone has that place that, that can't be filled. And uh, unfortunately, Krauthammer never said that he found uh, his, a relationship with God. And uh, you and I need to first make sure we have that relationship, but also share that with our family especially and make sure they have an opportunity to hear and every opportunity we get to share that. So we don't need to be ashamed of it, though, because there are extreme intellectuals who are believers. I mentioned Ravi Zacharias coming. And uh, when you listen to Ravi Zacharias, you have to, you know, if you have it on a, on a tape or something, you have to replay it a few times to figure out what he's saying. He's so profound in the way he speaks and the information that he shares. And uh, so there, it's not how intellectual you are, whether you get to heaven or not. It's uh, whether you know the Savior. And uh, if you miss the Savior, uh, you can be the most intellectual person, the wealthiest person. You can be the most popular person in the world. And you miss the Savior, uh, you're lost for eternity. And so what's more important? What does it profit a man if he gains the world and loses his soul? So we have the answer that everybody needs, that what you have learned about Jesus Christ and salvation and God are things that everyone needs to hear. And then we said uh, uh, that, and the Bible is the source of truth with a capital T. Then the rest of the uh, verses that we read there talk about uh, when people turn away from God. They see the creation, but they don't accept the fact that there's a creator. But the creation all, uh, even in uh, Psalm 19, it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Uh, if you look out there at the beauty of nature, you see God's divine power and Godhead uh, so that it says they're without excuse. Uh, but uh, those who turn away from that revelation of God in, in nature and don't see him and reject him, uh, it says uh, that uh, then they'll invent their own wisdom. They'll think, you know, I'm so smart and uh, I can do it without God. And professing to be wise, it says they become fools as a result. And so the following are a few of the things that a secular education will probably neglect and what our family members will not get unless someone other than the school tells them. And uh, th this is really sad, but it's, it's also important that we realize we need to be the ones sharing this information. We need to be the ones passing it on in our homes and to our family members and to our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren in every way that we can to get the uh, truth before them uh, so that they can be blessed of God and know the God of the universe. Proverbs 1, 7 and 9 and 10 uh, says that the foundation of, of education is this truth. Knowledge and be wisdom begin with the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1, 7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9, 10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, we have uh, our institutions are telling a lot of knowledge, aren't they? A lot of facts, but facts are neutral. You can use facts for good or for evil. You need to know what the facts are there for and uh, why I'm here and what my purpose is in order to properly use the facts. So if you don't have the foundation, which is the fear of the Lord, a respect and, and uh, understanding that we have a creator and we're going to be accountable to him, uh, that... Uh, uh, we are placing ourselves in a place of danger. It's like the illustration someone gave that uh, a man spent all his life
climbing up the ladder of success. And when he got to the top, he found out the ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. And uh, that's what a lot of people today are doing. They're striving hard to get to a place that they think is where life is to go. But they missed the mark because they didn't listen to God. They invented their own idea of what life is about. And they didn't seek to know the creator. And so the fear of the Lord starts with this foundation block that, uh, that not only do they not teach it in school, uh, that uh, they suppress it. Uh, they won't allow it to be taught that God is our creator. You know, it's kind of ironic, a nation uh, that uh, we're going to celebrate the 4th of July. And what does it say in the Declaration of Independence? It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That's our, what we're going to celebrate on the 4th of July, isn't it? Makes America great that we believe everybody is created equal. And uh, a lot of these people promote equality. Uh, but uh, you go to school and you say, God is your creator, you'll get, lose your job, okay? <laughs> you won't be allowed to say that, even though that's foundational to who we are. Uh, it's been flipped so badly. And uh, people, again, they, they think they're smart enough that we don't need God, that you can have an education. Uh, at Penn State, they eliminated prayers at the graduations. Uh, that uh, we think, you know, we have to have this separation uh, and it's really the separation of truth from what we're learning and the reality and what life is all about. And so the fear of the Lord is where knowledge and wisdom begin. And wisdom is applying the knowledge. You can learn a lot of facts, but facts can be used for evil as well as good. Uh, just look at the technology. Every time uh, they come up with a new kind of technology, there's a new kind of fraud. Uh, my son works at uh, Penn State in the information uh, services department, and his job is to... Uh, to uh, build firewalls in, uh, figuratively in the uh, computer networks because he says the, the university's computers are constantly being hacked by hackers trying to break in. And uh, every time they put up one uh, defense, the hackers figure out a new way to come in and hack. And that's what's going on, we understand, even between nations now. Uh, that uh, one of the great wars going on behind the scenes is the one nation attacking another through its computer systems and stealing information. And, uh, so just the knowledge of these uh, technologies uh, can be used for evil as well as good. And we need to know uh, what is right and wrong. We need to realize that God uh, holds us accountable for uh, what we do with our education. And so there was a, a president of Johns Hopkins University. He said, if you educate young people uh, with information but don't teach them about morality, what you create is educated barbarians. Right? You create monsters, in essence. They have lots of knowledge, and it teaches them how to do bad things even worse. Okay? And so uh, that's uh, the opposite of what God wants. He says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not just knowing that God is our creator, but fearing him. We're accountable to him. There is an accountability. Uh, one of the, the things on the, uh, on the list here, and we won't be able to get through the whole list tonight, but uh, uh, I'll briefly touch on each one. But uh, accountability, you know, how many young people are told uh, that uh, there's a judgment day coming, that uh, there's a God who's holy, and one day you'll stand before him and have to give an account for your life. Uh, the uh, implied ethic of America today is it's okay if you don't get caught, all right? It's okay if you don't get caught. And really, a lot of people don't get caught. I was looking it up this week, and I looked into statistics on, on uh, murder. And uh, uh, it said that since the 1960s, more than 200,000 murders have not been solved. Can you imagine that? 200,000 people have been killed, and the police haven't found out who did it. And uh, one lady uh, uh, said this about her husband being killed and them not knowing uh, who the murderer was. And this was just in uh, uh, less than 10 years ago. Uh, this is what she said. One of these 200,000 unsolved murders. All right, you can imagine the people around these people who all died. There are people who knew them, and uh, their life is gone, but no resolution, no justice. It's like the boogeyman, says Delisha Turner. Her husband, Anthony Glover, was found murdered, along with a friend in Boston in 2009. Police never made an arrest. 
She says the open case preys on her mind. You don't know if you're walking next to the person or if you've seen the person or if the person knows you who killed her husband. And she says that just is in her mind constantly. And uh, so uh, if there's no accountability before God, then people think, well, if I don't get caught, uh, then I'm fine. But the, the belief in God means, and the fear of the Lord means, you are caught, right? Somebody knows what you've done. No matter if no one else knows it, one day there's a day of reckoning, and there will be ultimate justice. And it isn't just based on who gets caught and who doesn't, of who, who, uh, what happens in our lives. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. Then B, on the outline there, my son Tom uh, he was in first grade or kindergarten. He came home one day, and I thought he was rather perceptive as a young person, and he probably, because he grew up in a pastor's home, he probably picked up on it. But he said, Dad, are people human being animals? You know, are people human being animals? Something he heard in the kindergarten or first grade class uh, came up that people are human being animals, and he, that hit him the wrong way, that we're at just animals. And, uh, uh, you know, that's what... It, Every day is taught in all our public schools, most of our private schools, even some of our Christian schools, that people are just animals, that we're the product of, of biological evolution. We're biological creatures. And, uh, that, but we all know it's wrong. Right? Everybody knows it's wrong. You know how I, can, I know that? Even the most atheistic evolutionist people, they know it's wrong to say that people are just animals. Is because when, when Donald Trump, our president, uh, described the gang, the violent gang members of MS-13 as animals, everybody knew he was insulting them, okay? He wasn't saying just a fact, you know. If, if you went to the biology teacher, he should have said, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with Donald Trump calling them animals? All of us are animals. It's fun to be an animal. That's all we are as a result of, uh, you know, of advanced primates and uh, uh, the result of a, a process of, Biological change over time, and here were the advanced animals. Okay, but we all know. And when we say to somebody, you know, we shouldn't call them animals necessarily. We pray they repent and, and that their behavior is like animals, though, because they're violent and they show no conscience. Human beings are more than animals. We're made in the image of God. We have an opportunity to uh, communicate with God. We have much greater communication skills with each other than any animal has. Uh, you know, these people who say, well, look at the dolphins. They communicate so well. Well, they might know about 10 sounds, and we say they're the most intelligent beings next to man. Uh, they're not intelligent like human beings. They're at a different level. And uh, uh, animals can do things we can't do, some of them. Uh, you know, I, can, I don't know anybody who can run as fast as a cheetah uh, or see as, uh, as far as an eagle, uh, but uh, we are superior in the world, we have a moral conscience. We have an ability to know God, to communicate, to create, to love, and to know right and wrong. And so to call us animals is to debase us and to uh, neglect the fact that we're made in the image of God. And uh, so, uh, you know, but everybody knows. I mean, if you call somebody an animal or say they're acting like an animal, they know that's an insult. Why do they know it's an insult? Because inside we know we're made in God's image. We're not just an animal. You know, we weren't eating our relative when we had a hamburger for lunch this, morning, this afternoon, okay? And uh, yet that's what they're told every day in the classroom. And we have to fight against that uh, because that dehumanizes who we are. It takes away our dignity as human beings to say we're just a, an ordinary animal. We have biology like animals because the same designer made us, but we're superior. And uh, we sense that that's true. Even the ardent atheist knows that there's something different about who I am uh, than an animal. Then uh, <clears throat> they won't learn the greatest book ever. They'll learn a lot about books. And a lot, now it's all on computers, so a lot of them are going to not be using many books anymore. They'll just read it on the, on the computer. Uh, but uh, and even their telephone. I mean, it's getting really unusual what, uh, how things are communicated these days. But uh, they won't tell them there's one book that stands up just like people are, are way above superior to the animals. So the Bible is superior to any other book that's ever been written. And you don't have to be a Christian to realize that. 
we realize that it's the word of God. That's why it's superior. And it's, uh, it's the indestructible book. It's been attacked for thousands of years since it was written. Uh, in a 1,600-year period by 40 different authors, God used the, his Holy Spirit to guide them to write the word of God, the Bible. And uh, just the statistics alone... If uh, anybody is a book, in, uh, book salesman or a librarian, they know uh, the facts that the Bible is the most widely published book in the history of the world and the most widely distributed. The Gideons alone have distributed 2 billion copies of the Bible, and it still is the bestseller every year. They don't put it on the list because it's obvious it's a different kind of book. And uh, it's the most widely translated and the most widely read. If you uh, pick the, the best sellers of the day, some of the garbage that sells in, in, as books today in our public, uh, still more people are reading the Bible than are reading that trash uh, every single day. The Bible is the most powerful book ever written and the greatest book. And we're not going to learn that. But you need to remind your, your young people, your children and your great-grandchildren, your grandchildren, Take them to Bible school and then tell them, you know, why we go to Bible school? Because that's the greatest book that was ever written. It's the word of God. It's not like any other book. And then the Bible points to the greatest person who ever lived. And again, they won't uh, be, be taught that in any secular education setting. That would be offensive, even though it's Jesus who has blessed America. And the people who came to America, many came to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I could go into the history even here at uh, Bucknell University, how the Christian heritage is so rich. And uh, I've been learning more about uh, uh, the uh, football stadium there, Christy Matheson Memorial Stadium, and how Christy Matheson is the most famous athlete ever to come out of Bucknell University. He was a great baseball pitcher, and uh, he was one of the first baseball players put in the Baseball Hall of Fame, along with uh, the first five players in the Baseball Hall of Fame included Christy Matheson, Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb, and two others. And uh, he's from Buc he graduated from Bucknell University. Well, you know why he went to Bucknell? He was born in Factoryville, which is just north of uh, Scranton, if you know where that is. And uh, he was born there, and he went to the Baptist Church and came to Christ, uh, know Christ, in the Baptist Church in Factoryville. And his pastor was uh, appointed president of Bucknell University. And so when his pastor became president of Bucknell, his pastor recruited him to Bucknell to play there, and he played football and baseball there. But his, and baseball is his most uh, uh, proficient uh, career. Uh, he was the only player still, I think, in the baseball history of, of Major League Baseball who threw three shutouts. Uh, you guys know what a shutout is? Uh, he threw three shutouts in the World Series. Okay, you only win four games and you win the World Series. He threw three of his team's winning games, and they were, all three were shutouts. And uh, so he still holds some records in baseball. And the stadium over there at Bucknell is the Christie Matheson Memorial Stadium. But he was a godly uh, Christian man, and it, uh, a book was written about him, how faith and a fastball changed all of baseball. Faith and a fastball. His character came into baseball at a time when it was a rowdy sport and uh, had not much respect. And as a college uh, young man and a strong Christian, he impacted the whole sport. And he was one of America's heroes uh, in the early 1900s. But uh, that's just some local history of uh, how Christians have made an impact and make a difference. But uh, the greatest person who ever lived is Jesus Christ. And uh, every young person learns to write the date very early on in their education and the year 2018. But nobody tells them what it means. And they, they, the uh, elitists have tried to get rid of A.D. and B.C. We all know what it means. We, you know, maybe if we spell it out, they get a better picture. You know, A.D. in the year of our Lord, Anno Domini, and B.C. before Christ. He's the center point of all of history. And yet uh, uh, even the, the most atheistic professor uh, or teacher or principal uh, has to write 2018 on all the papers because their place in history is determined by Jesus Christ. He's the greatest person of all history. No one can compare to him. And uh, we know why. Because he was God in human flesh who came to die for our sins. And he's the only way to God. That's another thing. Uh, over here, uh, for a person to be a chaplain at uh, Bucknell, uh, you have to try and uh, 
help everybody worship their own gods and, uh, and make sure they all feel uh, rein, uh, reinforced in their false worship. <laughs> okay? And you wouldn't want to say false worship. Uh, but, uh, you know, if the Hindus, they want to have a caste system and they were born to a certain family, they're, they're superior to other uh, Hindus uh, who are in lower caste and uh, untouchables, all these things that to show that the other religions are false. Jesus is the only way. He's the only one who paid for our sins. And uh, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. But they won't learn who the greatest person in history was. I think it was Napoleon who said uh, that uh, he and other uh, military leaders had conquered nations in the world using military force. But Jesus Christ conquered uh, the world with love. And that uh, millions of people today would die for him. And uh, what a difference, and how superior Jesus Christ is to any other person of history. And yet he was only, uh, public uh, ministry was only three years, and he never went more than 200 miles. Amazing. And uh, every child ought to know the greatest person who ever lived is Jesus Christ. And we know that he's the savior of the world. And then they'll never learn uh, pretty soon what it is to be a boy or a girl. <laughs> okay, they won't be able to say that. Some of the... Uh, uh, even uh, some of the, uh, the documents for birth uh, now are saying parent one and parent two. You can't say mother and father, but you can't say boy or girl uh, because uh, you have to let them grow up old enough to decide that. Well, you know, that's, there's professing to be wise. You become fools. You can't even tell biology at a basic level and uh, say it uh, as truth. And so the, the fools, actually, who are in leadership in our education system think they have a better way. But God made them male and female, says in Genesis, doesn't it? They'll never hear that marriage is a lifetime commitment between a man and a woman anymore. Uh, and that'll be illegal after a while. And that sexual relations are reserved for marriage. Read Genesis chapter 1. We find it in the Bible. Uh, but uh, your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren are not learning that. Even though to you it's a no-brainer, man and woman, they're marriage, and they get married, and that's it. You know, and they uh, save their sexual relations for their marriage partner, and they're faithful to their marriage partner if they want to be a godly person. Uh, that's not the way it goes in modern society, and uh, uh, you better not buck the system if you're a teacher or you're an administrator and speak the truth, uh, or you may lose your job today. But we need to tell them, don't we? If they're not hearing it from the school, or the TV, or the movies, or any of the other media out there, who are they going to hear it from? If they're not taken to church, you know, your church is like every church today. Uh, the attendance is sporadic. Uh, you know, they're not, uh, even the, the people in Sunday school, the kids need to be in Sunday school and get this kind of education. But they're not there. You know, everybody's gone. Uh, they say uh, every other week is the regular attendee at a church these days. Not every week, not to every service, not to, to Sunday school or small groups. Uh, what a tragedy. How are they going to learn it? We've got to make an effort to see that they have the opportunity, however we can do that. And then they'll not uh, learn that America is the world's great power, greatest power because it was based on Christianity. Pennsylvania has a Christian heritage, and I could go into that, and I did hear previously a little bit about uh, Governor James Pollock and in God We Trust and all of these things, and some even relate to uh, over at Bucknell. Uh, but Pennsylvania has a Christian heritage. William Penn, the founder of Penn State, uh, Pennsylvania, uh, William Penn, uh, a quote of his is in the rotunda of the Capitol, and it says that uh, Pennsylvania was to be a holy experiment. And you know they even try and twist that these days and say, well, it was just for, he was out for peace and tolerance. Okay, that was his holy experiment. But they didn't say that he was against drunkenness and gambling and so other vices is what he meant by holiness. What we understand by holiness is that God is holy and we should be holy like God is holy. And uh, this has now become an unholy experiment, Pennsylvania, if you take the cities and the, the things that are promoted, even in our school system. It's not promoted. They don't teach them this is a, a, we should be a holy experiment. And yet that's the founder. And if, if uh, anybody tried to promote holiness, uh, you know, some of the radicals would have to go in and spray paint the inside of the rotunda because it's, this is supposed to be a holy experiment. Penn, William Penn, that's how he established it. 
and the whole nation has evidences of this all around. And uh, so our nation, we lose that Christian heritage of our history. They'll not hear that there's a life after death. What a great uh, loss, isn't it? If you think you're only living for this life, and that's all there is, uh, then you should do anything not to die. But there are things worth dying for, and the most important one is our faith in Jesus Christ. And there are people dying today because the faith is worth dying for, because it is the truth, and there are other values and principles worth dying for. And there is a life after death, and there is a day of, of judgment, that you don't get away with it, even though, uh, and that was 30 to 40%, by the way, 200,000 murders is one-third to between one-third and a half of all murders go unsolved. And so somebody got away with it. And uh, so there's no justice ultimately in this life, but there is justice on Judgment Day. And Christ paid for our sins so we could be in heaven with him forever. But they won't hear that there's a life after death. They'll focus all on this life. It's what you do in this life that's all important. If that's all there is, uh, you know, there was the song that said, if that all there is, my friend, then let's keep dancing, break, break out the booze. If that's all there is, you know, Paul said, if Christ be not risen, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. If that's all there is. But there, it isn't all there is. And the reason why Jesus is uh, the central point of history, why we say we're in the year 2018, is because he rose from the dead. He defeated sin and death and the grave once and for all. And all who believe in him will have not just abundant life here. That's not why we call on him eternal life there in heaven one day in his presence. And then finally, uh, they're not taught that diseases can be caused by bad behavior, which is basically sin. Violating God's principles leads to bad behavior. Uh, I mean, leads to medical problems. You know, worry. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing, right? Uh, Jesus said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. And here we worry about things. I, you know, we're all tempted to do that. I struggle with that myself. Uh, you know, what's going to happen a month from now, a year from now, and how am I to worry about that? And uh, uh, put it in God's hands. But it says, be anxious for nothing. And what, what does worry do? That allows a lot of germs to attack us. That, uh, not just the ulcer problems, but other problems. When our immune system, uh, you know, research says your immune system goes down. If you have uh, guilt and you have uh, anger and you have bitterness and you have worry. Uh, it affects your physical health. And it's not only sin, that's the worst problem. It's, it separates you from God. Uh, but it's also harming you. Uh, there's a professor of nursing at Kutztown University uh, who put together a, a workbook for her students. And one of the chapters was to, I was amazed she got away with this, it was that you have a devotional part of your life for a week. Uh, that uh, read, uh, uh, read some scriptures, and pray and attend worship services uh, because science tells us that that gives you a healthier, happier life. <laughs> you know, even if it's disconnected with reality, even if that's not true, uh, the science still shows that if you do what you're doing tonight, attend church with other believers, uh, it's, it not only makes you happier because of what you hear, uh, but it makes you healthier. And uh, do you want to pass these things on to your family and your friends? I do. And uh, as I did this, I was thinking about this. I have grandchildren. I have six grandchildren. And uh, I don't want them to miss out. And I know that their parents know that they should share it, and they're all busy, and we all have other things that kind of distract us from getting to the truth. Uh, and there are many more things. We didn't even bring up the Ten Commandments that were outlawed from our public schools. Uh, and one of the reasons the Supreme Court, these supposed uh, elite judges in our land, and they don't uh, respect God, they don't fear God, uh, and so what they said was in the, in the, uh, when they ruled that you couldn't have the Ten Commandments in the schools, they said that children might read the commandments and it might influence them. <laughs> That's why we shouldn't have it, okay? Yeah, they might learn not to lie, okay, or, or rob or kill. And, uh, you know, how foolish we've become professing to be wise. Uh, we become fools. If we think we can do it without God, uh, that's the most foolish decision that we ever make even any part of our life, we think we can keep God out of it. Uh, that's against us. But if we follow God, we worship him, we have a devotional life, we read the word of God and pray, uh, it even helps our physical health. Uh, but these are things that are not being told and taught 
Some of them we think are no-brainers. Some of them are obvious. The Bible is the unique book in all history. That should be obvious, but no one says it. We're not animals. We call somebody an animal when they act beneath the dignity of human beings. But we don't go around and call the teachers out when they say you're an animal to their, the kids in class. Why not? We should. And by the grace of God, we can help a few people hear the truth. And again, we can't force anybody, but we can let them know there's a way uh, that God offers through Jesus Christ, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The other way is found in uh, Proverbs. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So We need to choose Christ for ourselves, but we need to share the information and make sure uh, that no one, gets through life without hearing uh, God's view of things and his hope and his love and his uh, plan. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're on the throne, that you're the creator of all that exists, that you made us and we're special, made in your image, that you love us and you provided forgiveness for us at the cross of Calvary. And thank you that probably most everyone here has received that forgiveness has asked you to be their savior and Lord you've never turned anyone away if someone has any doubts even tonight may they confess their sin and call upon Jesus who died in our place and rose again and then may we live for you as Lord not just give lip service and, and, and not be ashamed of you out in the public but may we be bold champions of the faith that we might Fulfill the, the purpose of being light and salt for Jesus Christ in a dark world. You've placed us here, even in families, where we're to be the light in a family that may not all be following you. We pray for all of our family members, our children and grandchildren, great-grandchildren. Pray for the schools here in Mifflinburg and the universities in our area, that the light of Christ would shine into those places once again. And we'll give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If we don't have a closing song, I picked one out. You have one, don't you? Okay, how about uh, Victory in Jesus? And You want to come up and... and uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Page 352. We'll stand together and sing as we wrap this up. Well, just the first and third verses. Because we're on the victory side. <laughs> That's the great news. When you're, when you're on Jesus' side, you're on the winning side. Sometimes it looks like uh, we're not doing so well. But uh, we've read the end of the book. And we're on the victory side. Victory in Jesus. <laughs>